You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Waste Disposal Center 3 on the original Death Star. So anyway, but yeah, no, it was an, it was an interesting week this week. So, I mean, this was my first week, you know, back to everything mm-hmm. full, full time. So here's, here's the short rundown of things Perna learned this week. One, teaching acoustics online is the perfect course to teach in an online format. That makes yeah. sense. It does not require being in the same room. No, it does not. So that was definitely an affirmative thing that I just need to move that course online. <laughs> and maybe just offer it as a course online to the world. To the world? Did I just give myself an idea? It's hard to say. Maybe you gave yourself extra money. Uh, okay, Ta-da! vocal fam. So I'm just going to say, trademarking Perna, it here. by the end of the summer, Perna's going to have an acoustics course built online. <laughs> um, and there you have it. Um, so that's a thing. Uh yeah, mm-hmm. um let's see what else happened this week. Uh that I learned. Um, students' internet speeds and connections make all the difference. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Can't control that one. Do y'all find I have a it student to- who I have a student who just sent me his um, uh speed test. He had just under seven hundred megabits per second. Um, and then the next student who sent me their uh, internet speed test was um, three megabits per second download. Oh my gosh! <sighs> no, so he's he's talking to his internet company. That's horrible. Well, yeah. but then I mean we've got colleagues. I mean here in the southern region of Nats, I know in rural areas who that's like as fast as their internet's gonna get. Yeah. Oh, That's rough. Those one gigabit days. Uh, so anyway, I mean, that's one of the definite challenges in all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this week, if you didn't see Vocal Fam, uh, led by Doctor Howell and 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 Ms. Godero, um, uh, the two of them as the corresponding authors, and Josh and myself and Chadley Ballantyne uh, released a report is that what we're calling it oh uh, yeah oh, right. and, and don't forget teodora oh and teodora excuse me uh, what's her last name Nest- nesterova nesterova yeah um uh released a paper out into the wild of the internet on uh some empirical analysis of these conferencing platforms including the one that we're on right now and uh it was uh it was good <laughs> <laughs> Good enough for you to put your name on it. <laughs> it's 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 really. I mean, Ooh. Ian and Kayla did a lot of the heavy lifting. Yes, they did. So, um, but uh, but hey, frequency responses are like solidly in the realm of vocal pedagogy right now. That's fun. They they are. In fact, I had a. I was sharing with them this morning the, the with the group Sarah that um. I had one single student who had their own external, no, maybe two, maybe two or no, maybe two or three actually, but one in particular who had their own preamp and mic setup. Oh wow! 
Um, and I ask them for the uh, for the the frequency response of the microphone, and they sent it to. And they didn't have it, so I looked yeah. at I looked up the manual on the internet because yeah. the internet, guys, is good for that. In case you were wondering, you I'm can. A big fan. Uh, the Google. You can look friend. up manuals of microphones and look up their frequency responses yep. pretty easily. And actually, I'm I'm putting I'm having every single student send me theirs, and then I'm putting it in an individual file that I can pull up um, before oh, their that's lesson. Smart. Yeah. So that's I've smart. saved this one, um, and I, next time I'm going to make sure I ask him which setting he's on, if he's on Omni or Cardioid or yep. or what have you, because I didn't have the specs on the mic before mm-hmm. the lesson. Um, but, uh, it boosts the mid range a lot because it's a vocal mic. Yeah. And this singer does not need a boost to the mid range because he is a rock singer. He does not need it. It also kills the low end, this particular mic, like kills it it like floors it i mean so does it really does it sound end up sounding like particularly tinny or does it sound like how would you describe the sound honestly how the proximity effect on it is so bad it depends where the mm-hmm. how the proximity effect is kicking in if he's on the cardioid yes setting. and he must have been actually now thinking about it because the proximity effect was terrible Well, oh, but is that something he needs to be aware of if he's going to be singing like with microphones like that at any point. Of course. Yeah, of course it is. And yeah. and and since he is a rock singer who sings only his life on microphones. In fact, you know, this actually leads to an interesting thing I wanted to bring up today. One of the great opportunities he and I are going to have is I I I forget if we said we were going to do it this week or or the next week, but he his his preamp has another channel for his guitar and I told him Throw your ears into your preamp because he's got his own in ear, custom in ears, and oh, so wow. then we can do a lesson both of us on ears with his him accompanying himself on his acoustic. How what a great opportunity for us! Yeah, that's oh my gosh, he's gonna have great lessons. So I mean, but you know, but then there's students with Wi-Fi challenges and Chromebooks are sort of. Uh, so, I mean, any, that's any what tablet, really. I'm I'm really pushing for all of my students that they use their laptop and Same. that they connect to an Ethernet cable, like we said, like two weeks ago or so. Um, it's just it's going to give us the most stable internet connection, and it, you know, if it's not possible, then we deal with it. But it's oh, I've had ones tricky. trying to use their phones, and nope, I'm so, just it's not the literal that. worst. I just it's, can't. It's, it's terrible. I had a pretty good experience with an iPad Pro that had very good Wi-Fi. Mm, that makes sense. I, I mean, mean, we all have, like, you know, the experiences happen. It's just, they're infrequent. I, I'm just saying, like, just I'm just sharing anecdotally what... You what, know, was it worked well for you versus... Yeah. ...as well? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anywho, all right, so Josh, before we dive into Star Trek, I wanted to give you a chance to finally yeah. let the cliffhanger go. Oh, right. So we're doing that before Picard. Yes, I'd like to do it before. Okay. okay. Uh, so before we get into all the fun stuff, Vocal Fam, we are here ah. to review Star Trek Episode 10, Star Trek Picard Episode 10, uh, Et Ego in Arcadia, Et Tu Ego in Arcadia, yes, uh, whatever. Anyway, Part 2. Um 
so but before we get there, Josh, we've been on a spectral moments hanger for now a month. So hey. back before <laughs> back when we were still functioning as a society, we um you had sort of left us on a cliffhanger about spectral moments. Yeah, that was back when I um was using Wi Fi for this. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so. As if that was the only change that has happened since then. <laughs> um Okay, so oh my word, remind me what how we were getting to that. Oh, uh, I don't even remember what we had been know. talking about. I think I had just asked you to tell us what spectral moments were oh. and why you chose to use the idea of spectral moments in the dissertation and all that kind sure. of stuff. Um, sure. So so when we talk about acoustics in voice pedagogy, we're used to talking about the interaction between harmonics and formants. Yes. Um, or harmonics and resonances. And, and there's plenty of literature showing us why that is, you know, helpful or efficacious or like why it works or why it matters. Um, but the, the, I think the tricky thing for me, uh, when I, when I've been working with, um, teaching voice acoustics and also when I've been looking at different recordings is that harmonic and resonance interactions don't always, um, explain everything about a sound. For example, I could have, um, a, uh, male sex singer, um, who is a classical singer and I could have a musical theater singer, um, regardless of the style of musical theater they're singing, and they could be singing t the same exact note, two different ways. And based on their formant and resonance interaction, or I'm mean, sorry, their resonance and harmonic interaction, uh, we would actually using that paradigm, we would describe it the same way. And I've found that to be a little bit tricky, right? Um, if we are using this this current paradigm to explain everything about a voice or, or kind of hint at that, um, which is you know generally how our field has worked for a, for a few decades. Yeah. Um, I think that it should you know if we have a model, it should explain everything, or it should do a pretty good job of explaining most things. Um, so it's important this idea of, acoustic, uh, uh, I'm sorry, harmonics and resonance interactions. Um, but I, I've wondered, is there a way to think about this a little bit differently that can explain more things? Um, so when I was working on my, when I was working on my dissertation, which was again, um, for those of you who aren't like familiar with the work, um, it was uh, analyzing historical recording technology, specifically wax cylinders. And then in collaboration with um, the Thomas Edison National Historical Park and um, some a bunch of wonderful professional singers, um, both at the Met and regionally. Um, we recorded those singers on wax period wax cylinders and a flat response uh, microphone. So a microphone that theoretically picks up, or arguably I should say, picks up um, exactly what you put into it without filtering it. Um, and I wanted a way to describe these sounds that they were making that didn't rely on harmonic and resonance interactions. I wanted to look at this spectrum um, or even a long-term average spectrum, and I wanted to be able to describe the shape of that spectrum. And Ron Scherer, uh, Dr. Scherer at Bowling Green uh, State University gave me, I was, I was kind of explaining like these, I want to like be able to characterize the shape of a spectrum. And I was like throwing out all this gobbledygook and he was like, oh, well, why don't you just use spectral moments? 
And I said, because I've never heard of them. (laughs) So I started looking them up. And then in, oh, this must have been around like 2014, 2015. um, And there was this paper um, that was published in 2014 by um, Shaheen Awan, uh, Krauss, and Herbst that was um, trying to compare EGG contact quotient and the decontacting um, profile so if it was um, knee or no knee, for example, for those of you who are familiar with EGG um, literature, and also and comparing that to these spectral moments. Okay, so that's that's kind of how we got to this point. Um, and I was looking at this paper, and it, it seemed reasonable. There, they didn't have they didn't find out what they really wanted to get the conclusions they really wanted to find. Um, but they had some really interesting ways about looking, or really interesting ways of looking at um, spectra. Um, there was also a paper by um, Tanner Roy et al, um, who they, they actually measured spectral moments before and after voice therapy. So they said, okay, we're doing these things to help these people. Can we actually use, um, can we actually find ways to quantify how this, the shape Again, the shape of the spectrum changes, and they were able to find um, pretty like significant changes um, to the spectrum. You know, so, mm-hmm. that would be a good study to duplicate to consider doing after a laryngeal manipulation video. Yep. In fact, it would. And so, I mean, this is this is the doable. point of it, really, right? Like this is this is there are there are changes that we hear that are difficult to measure at times Mm -hmm. um, that do show up to some extent on spectra. We just haven't had ways to talk about it necessarily. We can talk about in terms of flow. We can talk about in terms of intraoral pressure, but there are easier ways of going about describing changes. uh, And those are usually acoustic or spectral. Um, Okay. So, okay. So, so basically we have this paradigm, right? looking at harmonics and resonances, and I'm saying, can we look at this broadly? Can we back up a little bit and look at the picture, big picture? And so what I found was that these spectral moments were able to, for different tasks, describe the difference between the wax cylinder and the flat response microphone. The same singer recorded on, on both technologies. So it was able to say like, okay, here's this big difference, right? Namely like, uh, wax cylinders record frequencies from, say, uh, 220 or 440 hertz all the way up to, say, 5,000 to 8,000 hertz. And the microphone could record frequencies all the way up to, um, with a flat response, all the way up to 30,000 hertz. Right. Wow. Um, so, so that was great, right? It could tell that there's this, these measurements could, could show us a big change. The thing that I found interesting was there was a study that I did with West, in collaboration with Westminster with uh, Kathy Price and John Price, um, where we studied musical theater singers and classical sing- Western classical singers, um, undergrad male singer male sex singers in training. We compared um, the same vowels, same notes um, with musical theater legit singing, musical theater contemporary singing, so the same singers singing two different styles. And then we also compared Western classical singers with legit musical theater singers. We were trying to say, okay, we're using these measurements, this kind of big ballpark picture, um, to 
analyze really small differences that our current paradigm doesn't really explain very well um, or doesn't always explain consistently. And what we were able to find was actually for certain measurements, for certain spectral moments, the um, Western classical singers were sang significantly differently than um, the musical theater legit singers. And then there were spectral moments were able to characterize differences between musical theater singers singing both legit and contemporary, right? So these are the mm -hmm. same singers singing two different styles and then mm -hmm. different singers singing two different styles that sometimes we tend to say are the same thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? So mm -hmm. the cool thing with this measure, with these spectral moments, and I'll explain exactly what they are really quickly, but the cool thing that I found, that, I, that, that we found rather, was that they were able to describe big changes and really subtle differences. Right. And to yeah. me, that's important. Right. If we have this paradigm that doesn't always explain those subtle differences. Well, there's mm -hmm. this other measurement that talks about similar things, but is able to describe a lot more. More of it. Yeah. Yeah. So spectral moments are really, as I said, just ways to describe the picture of a spectrum, the shape of a spectrum. Um, like moments are ways to describe our statistical ways to describe um, a normal curve. So like a, a normal distribution is like what you would see if you took like the SATs or the ACTs probably, mm -hmm. and you'd be described like, oh, I'm in like the blank percentile or yeah. I'm in the 50th percentile or so on and so forth, right? The 50th would be in the middle. Yeah, the, belt the 99th percentile would be all the way to the right of the graph mm -hmm. and the opposite would be towards the left of the graph. Um, so spectral moments just say, how similar is this shape of this graph to a normal distribution? Okay. Right? So you can talk yeah. about it in terms of the mean. Where is the um, where is the majority of that information or that spectrum in this case? Okay. The standard deviation, which is how spread out is that information? Okay. And the skewness, which is how what proportion is above or below the mean? Okay. Right? So that's kind of like spectral tilt. Like is it more do you have more high frequency information or do you have more low frequency information? And then there's kurtosis, which is essentially how, how high the peak is, how high the, the, the mean is. Um, and so you can describe the spectrum, the shape of the spectrum this way. We, the problem is that we don't quite know how those measurements equate to our perception or yeah. compared to mm -hmm. our perception of right. these sounds. Um, but I think that that's, I, a lot of my research is really modularized. Um, so I, I take really small parts and then put them together to build bigger parts. I don't think it's so important that we don't know like what a higher spectral skewness really sounds like. I think it's more important that that measurement can tell us that this, these two things that we know are different are different. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Right? Absolutely. And then we can kind of take little pieces. This is kind of what I'm going to be doing in the next few, next like five years or so, taking little pieces, um, of this spectral moment concept and try to understand, um, try to kind of tie our perception to those measurements or tie function to those measurements. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's a longer explanation, but that's, um, essentially what, um, why I find them so elegant because they can describe big changes and small changes. And we don't really have a model that quite does that. Well, and I mean, just, you know, 
pointing my finger at our own current models, we don't even really have a great mo working model in voice pedagogy that accounts for the fact that if you change the first vocal tract resonance, you reshape the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we don't really have a good working model even for that. Sure. We sure. just think, oh, well, I just moved the first vocal tract resonance and everything else stayed the same. No, it didn't. Right. No, well, and, I, and that's why I think this is cool, right? Because you can, you, we we know that we in, in, inherently know these things, right? Mm -hmm. That like if you move, if you you know, what's one of the rules? One of those like McCoy rules slash Sundberg rules, where you lower the if you if you lower the jaw, then you right. raise the first formant. But some people will say that you also raise the second formant. I think it's that if you drop the jaw, I think the one in McCoy, if I remember the quote correctly, is he's. He he's you he would quote him as saying, if you drop the jaw, it raises F one but leaves F two in place. And 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 yet I've heard people say that both of them go up because you're shortening vocal track. Right. Right. And and so we we have these like slight disagreements that we like say aren't that important, and maybe they're not. Um, and but maybe we they're all, not. Right. Who who knows? But this is a way to this is a different way of looking at the same problem. Mm -hmm. But I will say, vocal fam, if you just take Mata and you move around one resonance and you run Mata into Voce Vista, you'll see the rest of the spectrum change shape just by changing one resonance. So just what it's for what it's worth. It's a little fun little, just yeah. little experiment just to consider. Things to do in your new free time. But I think, I, in general, I think this is cool that we there are there are, you know, increasingly researchers who are looking at the same problems and just looking at them through a little bit of a different lens Absolutely. and saying, hey, this, this thing looks like it's a thing. Yep. Yep. That's a good quote yeah. from me. I like it. It looks like a thing. I it like it. It looks like a thing. It also, might be a thing. Also, Sarah, you just said free time. Can I just say, I personally, I don't know about you, vocal fam. I've yet to have any free time. I think the main increase in my free time has been in the sub subtraction of two Com hours of commute a day. Like that. <laughs> that has made a wonderful impact on my life. Like all of a sudden I finish work, I walk out of the guest break room, and I'm like, I'm home. I now have an extra hour in my life. How are you two dealing with being more sedentary? Now I'm not, uh, I'm not like strictly sedentary. I'm standing all day, which is nice. Yeah. Well, I, got, I mean, remember, yes. I've got a five-day running schedule and five-day weight training regimen. So I have. Do you have weights at home? I have he does. an entire rack and setup. Oh. Yes. Sorry. Oh, Sorry, vocal fam. I've been taking my dog on a lot more walks than normal because, like, used to we would take her on two a day. I usually went on one just because I was working so much, and like it's gotten to where I think yesterday we took her on four or five because. What else do we have to do? Or then, honestly, this week, I realized that just because I am sitting more, I was getting stiff. So I actually started back to doing just like little yoga videos Sweet. that uh, I had found online or had been suggested just because I could tell that I needed to stretch and that totally. my back was janky from the chairs. So that's been my way of handling it. I'm probably healthier now than I was, you know, before this started. Yeah, I don't, I don't really... I don't know. I I said this to someone in a in a chat yesterday, but honestly, I think maybe I even I said this on the podcast last week. I'm trying to stay positive. But like 
if it weren't for any, if, if, as long as I don't think about fear of anything in the future, mm-hmm. this is sort of my ideal life. <laughs> like I never have to leave the house. I have my wife here. My kids are here. Oh, I, man. I have my beautiful home and I never have to go anywhere. This, this is ideal for me, except that I'm very contrary by nature. And so simply by the fact that like I have been told, no, no, you need to stay home. All of a sudden I'm like, but, but what if I wanted to go somewhere? Like, I'm not going to because I'm a rule follower and all. But, like, I'm just sitting and I'm like, but I can't now. Like, I don't really want to, but also I can't. I mean, and that, I would that be me. lying. Like, today I had to run to Home Depot to get a board. So I gloved oh, up. Board. I gloved up. I made sure I had my contacts in, had sunglasses on, never took them off inside the store. Um, I, Checking your eyes. I, I, have a few surgical gloves left from our supply for the study. Oh yeah. And so I gloved up and uh went to Home Depot this morning cuz I needed a board because Vocal Fam, I you know, if you're a homeowner, you're probably doing home projects too. Uh I'm about to hang a barn door as soon as we're done podcasting because That's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, you yeah. know, it is what it is. Y'all want to hear my excursion for the day? Yes. I'd one. I'd one. I had to go take a drug test because I started a new job, and well, not really new. Additional, I'm like officially even still doing them. Uh, yeah, um, so it's an it's a, it took place at an urgent care facility that's not doing testing. I called yesterday and was like, "Is there a way I could like not come?" And they were like, "Oh, we're not a testing facility. Don't worry." And I got there and I saw why I didn't need to worry. There was literally it was like a it was like a ghost town. It's just this little bit. There, there was literally two doctors there, and well, not doctors. I think it was a physician's assistant and a nurse, and me. There was nobody else there. I went in. They, the, I the reason I wanted to tell the story was because the doctor told me that um, I am the first person that was not a medical professional that he saw wash their hands correctly. And I was very honored and flattered by that. Good job, vocal. So fan. I'm telling everybody that I know how to wash my hands. It's an exciting day. Um, physician approved. I would just like to, uh, just just as a word of encouragement, Vocal Fam, we're all going to get through this. The world might look different on the other side, but mm-hmm. we're all going to get through this. <laughs> hurrah. Sorry, I'm laughing not at the statement, but you're, you're hurrah. I was just hurrah. throwing my microphone into the air. <laughs> I think um, my favorite moment so far was just when for like five solid minutes, you just stroked your beard and contemplated. Well, vocal fan, you're... one of the other things that's going on during this hiatus, oh, yes. I went ahead and shaved the full beard off for the Nats Except chat the, like, that Dr. Glasner and I were a part of. But I left my normal goatee, but I've still kept the length, and I'm working toward a ponytail. No. Nice. No. I support that. No. <laughs> no. No. Realize though that like potentially for the summer, like only his family is going to see him. Like this is. I know. Look, I've had to stop myself from buying hair dye like five times. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is the time I could do it, and then I'm like, no, Sarah, no, it's the quarantine talking. Um, Don't do it. But while we're so- on it, I would just like to say thank you to all of our frontline medical personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, as I know, we do have some speech language pathology community that listens to us and just anyone who maybe is an otolaryngologist that's listening or what have you, anybody mm-hmm. who's on the front line of this process, we just want to say thank you, um, for your bravery and your courage and your, 
dedication to your oath um, that you have taken and and that we are thankful for you. Um, and Vocal Fam, we are thankful for you for yeah. being here to share with us and uh, listen to us because I just want to say a big shout out to anybody who's listening who also listened. Our teaching online episode is now by far our most downloaded episode ever. That's so crazy. For two years, Coffee with yeah. Legends with Ian Howell and Chadley Ballantyne, Ken Bozeman was our most downloaded episode. Understandably. But our teaching online episode um, and our psychoacoustic setup, but particularly our teaching online episode has overtaken. Uh, it, and, and we just, we at Vocal Fam, Vocal Fry, just want to say thank you to the Vocal Fam for listening. We hope that that episode helped. It was to be a service. And we hope that it helped. Um, yeah. So anyway. All right. With all that being said, we're moving on to Star Trek Picard. Yay. So this is your spoiler warning. If you, oh. I, I'm not going to post this until next weekend. So what? you've now had a full eight days to see the finale of Star if Trek. If you haven't seen it, then we're disappointed you, in you. Especially you going to drop it like next Thursday? Friday. Oh. Especially because, Why? I don't know. I just want people to hear my opinions. Oh, okay. I mean, I could put it out midweek if you want. I mean, I don't really care. Um, but uh, this is your spoiler warning. And since, I mean, CBS All Access is now all free for the first month, and Picard is just online now. Is it really? Yes, it's open source now, right now, for the next few weeks. I'm going to tell my dad to go watch it. Um, so, and but, my brother. But we are here. This is your full season one wrap-up. Uh... I don't want to say it wrong again, no, because I think I said it wrong the first. The time. name of the episode? Yes, hold on, I'm going to say it. Hold on. I uh, think they'll forgive you. Should have had my Et eye. In Arcadia ego. Et in Arcadia ego part two. Yes, part two. It's a lot of words. So anyway, here we go. Spoiler warning. What did we think? Cried so much. Yeah. I mean, starting from like him saying thanks to Will, from that point on, it was just constant tears. And for probably a good 15, 20 minutes afterwards, just nonstop crying. Like even when I knew like what was going to happen, it didn't matter. Because in the moment, the feelings were still there. You mean how you knew something was going to happen because Perna said what was going to happen yeah. last week on the podcast? What, with the golem? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it was it was a very like obvious set, especially as the episode went on. Like it was a pretty obvious setup. Like it pretty at some point I was like, ah, so he, okay, that's definitely a thing. But it didn't make it hurt any less when he like he got to say thank you to his number one, and then you knew it was what was happening, and there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of crying on my end. I think Jamie laughed at me a few times. So Sarah a cried episode. a bit. Yep. Josh, it's a good episode. Josh, what'd you think? Well, I don't, I mean, I look. I enjoyed the season. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed me, the season. Me too. And and on this topic of I told you so's, I, I want to say that on first Picard PhD episode one, episode one, I said Picard was going to die, and Doctor Glasner was right, and he did briefly, 
<laughs> there was well, a, that is the there key. was a moment. There was a moment. His a his spectral his... moment. Oh my gosh! Oh. No. Perhaps I a mean I don't know much about positronic spectral but... moment, or was it a positronic moment? It might have been a positronic moment. Uh... <laughs> oh, that was bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I just honestly, I thought that the episode, I felt like it cut corners. Like I, it was an enjoy. Look, it was an enjoyable episode. There were a couple things that, like you know, were fan service, and I enjoyed it. Um. I don't feel like the story... I felt like they spent so much time setting up the new universe. Yeah. That they... Like, like Commodore O slash Commander O slash whatever her rank O is. Um, just leaving. I felt like this needed to be a two-hour episode, I will say. Like, I went in thinking it was going to be a two-hour finale... And then when I saw it was only 56 minutes, and I mean, probably 25 of those were commercials. Yeah. And I get that it's like super high budget right now. So like yeah. they probably couldn't afford to make it longer. But I just, I I don't know. We could have had some of those like four episodes shortened into two. And, and had a then, few more. like had more exposition that actually like felt like it was tied into a bow um, at the end. I don't know. Yeah. I might be like a bit picky right now because I did enjoy the season. What do you think? I get that. that? <sighs> Remember how I've been talking for the last number of months, Sarah, about when we review things, trying to see everyone. <laughs> yes. I want to love this show so bad. Mm-hmm. Like I want to love it. Yeah. I want to love it like so bad. Yeah. And there's things about it that I do love. Mm-hmm. And I basically enjoyed the season. Totally. I enjoyed it. It's not my new favorite show. No. But I'm also not sure that the writing was always good. I think that's a good Here's a, a good... here's a question that I'd be interesting I'd be interested to know the answer to. Um Sarah, I'm sorry to 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 jump ahead for you but it's okay so first half of season one of discovery right because it was yes. it was given to us differently right first half of season one of discovery was then interrupted by like a, a month or so um so i i kind of think of them as two seasons very and, much and i was very pleased with where discovery went in the second half of the first season and then the second season was i was very pleased with it um two thumbs up what did you think about this first or this season compared to the first half of discovery first half of season one of discovery you know it's an interesting question because a lot of times one of the things we talk about with any trek series is is where does it rank among the first seasons of trek right which outside of tos are generally notoriously terrible Exactly. Well, it took Deep Space well, Nine three TV seasons show. to get going. It took um, Next Generation with the original Picard about that long, in fact. Yeah. Maybe four, even. Um, Although I find there are many redeeming qualities about the second season of Star Trek The Next Generation that people forget. Measure, measure of a Man in the first season of Star Trek is, is my favorite episode season of two. all time. Season oh, two. Season two. Yeah. It's a Pulaski episode. Okay. You're, yep. Um... So 
you know, it's definitely more watchable than season one of Voyager. Yes. Though I was five at the time, so I loved it. Well, I've recently <laughs> rewatched season one of Voyager, <laughs> and it's there's there's tough episodes to get through there, and a lot of coffee. Uh, um oh i'm sorry sarah again there's a there's this thing that janeway always says where she says there's coffee in that nebula are you true interesting and i'm i'm interesting i wish i could say that i liked this as much as discovery but i don't here's here's an interesting conundrum does it feel to you at all, either of you, like they wrote a TV show and then brought Patrick Stewart in to play Picard and tried to write a character that they wanted to honor into a show they already had conceived, but they weren't sure how to put that character into the TV show? Maybe could we could we turn that a little bit? Does it because I haven't thought about this, but does it seem to you that potentially they had this TV show, which we know they did. They at least had the first episode or the first arc, right? Um, then they brought in Patrick Stewart, who was given license to change things, and then those parts of Picard that we didn't quite understand were potentially Patrick Stewart saying the character is now changed. Maybe. Because there there were parts of Picard where I was like, that feels like the things that Patrick Stewart has said about his own progress as a human being. Yeah. It feels like this is like actually being put into the character of Picard. Like everybody knows that that Patrick Stewart was this like Shakespearean actor who came to yeah. TNG and he was like, everybody said he had, um, what's another way to say that? Um, he was hoity toity. Yeah. Um, I buy that. And, uh, he said himself that one of the reasons he liked acting in <laughs> X-Men. I like your uh, background music. <laughs> Can we cut the background music possibly? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Vocal Fam. I was having a nice little dance. Oh, yeah, Listen, jamming. Vocal Fam, like you, we are all families in the same house. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so Patrick Stewart used to. He always talks about now how he was like really stoic and really serious about his work in the um, late '80s, early '90s. And one of the things he really liked about X Men was that it allowed him to kind of get out of his shell, and he started taking himself less seriously. And he this is what he says in his interviews. And it seemed to me at times that our elder Picard was getting some of those characteristics. More Professor X, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we had several Stewart. We had several times in the series where Jamie and I would be like, okay, Charles Xavier. Because <laughs> that's who we felt like was talking even more than like Picard necessarily. Which I think some of that just comes from stepping away from a character for that long and trying to come back and get back into that headspace. Whereas for some people, like like the guy that plays Data, 
He was so much better being old data than he is being um no whatever doubt. his name is. Oh, absolutely. Which okay, I just want to say that is that was honestly probably made me cry more than Picard dying was yeah. the fact that Data's consciousness had been alive and alone in that room for the past like who knows how many well, I mean y'all know how many years, but I don't. Um absolutely. that got me bad. And so then I when see- Picard, like young his Picard appears next to him as he's that whole yeah. So much crying there. I, so I see what you mean, um, Dr. Pete, but um, I just, I wonder if it's partially, oh, that's sad to say, if it's partially Patrick Stewart's fault. That's kind of what I was getting at. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, and again, we don't know what the dynamics were in the writer's room, you know, right. because True. all the reports were that they all had, they all revered the character. They all loved the character. Yep. They all had a, the reports are they all had a good rapport in the writer's yeah. room, although we know Michael Shabon has stepped away for season two. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, there are just, I think with any Star Trek, you just, you give it another like season or two. Oh yes. Ab- like, well, I do that with all shows. They are re-upped for another two seasons, I think. No, and I, Sarah, I think yeah. you have a good point. I think you have a good point. about. I mean, even like comedies, like when I tell people go watch Parks and Rec, I'm no, like, yeah. oh, but the first season is terrible. Most TV shows, I'm like, yeah, but that first season is terrible. Yes. Terrible. Because they just, I don't know, I feel like all shows have to figure out who they are. And I think maybe that was the difficult challenge. Because I can't think of a TV show where I that I've ever thought about. I'm trying to think back. There feels like there probably was something like this. Well, I, I, I guess maybe the best example is Frasier from Cheers. Except the difference there is that that went straight on. Oh. Like right. Cheers ended in April and they started filming Frasier in June. Right. You know, for the next fall. And so that's a maybe a bad comparison. Just yeah, like, the, just like the Huxtable daughter going into a different world. I mean, that again, straight on. An interesting, uh, maybe Princess Leia. Stepping back into that role. Yes. Carrie Fisher yeah. stepping back into that well, after how many years okay. and how much life. But that and Luke, I think maybe mm-hmm. there's the comparison I'm looking for. Yeah, Luke especially. I think it was almost harder for him. Is Well, or was it harder for fans? But that's probably Mark right. Mark Hamill <laughs> felt right at home and loved what they put out. But the yeah. fan base didn't. And I wonder if we're seeing some of that with this sort of some of the last Jedi phenomenon with this. And maybe it's, maybe it's that maybe it's that some, again, again, don't get me wrong. There's a ton of the internet that loves this show. It was enjoyable. And I felt like Picard came more into, became more himself maybe as the series went on. Sure. Um, Definitely, point. definitely in the last speech. Yes, like that last episode, especially when he's going up and sacrificing himself, that to me was all very Picard. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe next season we see just that really kind of come to be. But even that moment, if I may, I have to confess, I was not emotionally moved by this episode at all. Not the um, end. And, not the dying because we knew it wasn't going to stay. Exactly. Yeah. I would have preferred, Mandy and I talked about this afterwards. It was almost like I would have preferred either 
I, I think the choice they made by giving him a synthetic body, but that was still going to die essentially in a few years. That I was like, what? And that looked the same. Yeah. I thought it would look different. I, 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 I either wanted him to look different or be immortal. Like that's that a hard choice to make for someone. An ethical problem for Jean Luc Picard, because that was his question to... right away. Yeah, that or looking very different to me would have been the braver choices. But I felt like we put him in the golem, and I I think that's the I think that's the issue though, right? Like when we're when we're um, yeah, I don't consider myself to be a great actor, but um at all but uh the one of the things we talk about as actors is um stakes right right i feel like they built up some really big plot like yeah. uh, like storylines right um they built up some really serious questions and then in this episode the all of a sudden this this the stakes went from from rather high to nothing at all yes. i I thought that what was going to happen and what might have been a, a bigger stake was like, you know, when she opens up the portal, stuff starts coming through immediately. You're like, oh, so it's not Borg, which mildly disappointed there. But whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to try to shut it down, but it was going to be too late. And that like if it had been the Borg, the Borg would have come on through. Perhaps Romulan and, and Federation have to like fend them off. But then they're still there in the universe. And that yeah. leads you into your next season of like. How do we deal with the Borg being back and the Borg knowing about the synths? Well, so so I think we have to acknowledge that, that, that wherever that portal led to, it still exists. Well, and they now kind of know. It's sort of, oh, what is it? It's like, it's one of the first Avengers movie. Yes. Where they're was, like, they know you're out there. You it's just, totally the remake of Avengers 1. Not even mad. A little mad because they didn't follow through. But Josh, of course, we know that that being coming through the portal was, of course. Oh, y'all know. I don't want to say it because I feel like it ruins it for Sarah. But we know what we know what it was. Oh my gosh! Well, it's a good thing that I've you know got a lot of time at home. You need to watch Discovery. You really do. I I'm still working through Next Gen, which oh y'all, it was terrible. So Thursday night. Um. Okay. So that's the thing. Thursday night, I'm like, I don't want to watch Picard. It's going to have feelings. I have to work tomorrow. I have to be like a human. No, I'm not ready for that. I'm going to watch Next Gen. So I watched the episode, and it is the episode where the girl who's the head of, like, Stellar Sciences comes onto the ship, and she and Picard, like, fall in love, and he plays the flute for her, and she goes down to the planet, and he thinks she's dead. I cried. I cried. Of course I cried. I was like, I thought this would be happier. Pause. So your past inner light. Mm. Mm, I don't know. What what episode was that? Where where he learned how to play the flute. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched that. It gave me the feels. That is the single most highly regarded episode of Star Trek The Next It was amazing. It was phenomenal. I I knew it was going to happen because I had done some background reading on Picard before watching Picard the TV show because I I didn't want to be totally in the dark about stuff that had happened in his life. But it was a fantastic episode. But <laughs> My, all that being said, watch the sad episode when I was trying not to watch sad stuff. Big fan of the YouTube channel Honest Trailers over here. Oh, and the sick. Star Trek The Next Generation Honest Trailer, still one of my favorites, uh, particularly when they're like, and it's filled with terrible sci-fi. 
and great acting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Correct. But I mean, I guess like, so overall, like, our, what's our take on like the season? Like, are we, we rating it? Like, are number? we happy that it exists in our lives? Yes. yes. Me too. Too I'm, much I'm... exposition. Way too much exposition. Too much exposition for characters that I still barely care about. I like Rios. I hate Agnes, but I like I Rios. Like Gerardi. The yeah. Gerardi. Yes, Agnes Gerardi. Yeah. I do not like her. I don't like her I at all. Like her. She um, irritates okay. the stew out of me. I feel really bad about saying this because I'm cool with it if it like is a thing, and I'm happy that it's a thing if it's a thing. This, I know what this, this is going to be. Thing of a thing. Yeah. Again. Um. But seven. And Rafi? And Rafi? Well, there's just no lead up to it. I'm cool with it. Apparently that they're an item, but like it just happened in the last But where did it come from? Exactly. We never saw them talking. And for all all this backstory, like when we had a scene with Rafi and her son, which never came back. Like, what was the point of that? Why not set up her in seven instead of... No, that that was my thing. I was like... There was no lead up to this. Like in all the crazy amounts of exposition we had, there was nothing to hint at Rafi and Seven being attracted to each other. Like, and and as we know, I'm fine. I am happy when any sci-fi show moves into like societal things and like yeah, is progressive and makes makes me happy. Yes, I love seeing them take strides. It wasn't written well. No. No, not at all. No, if it was written, I think they just said, "Hey, you two sit there." They were just like, "Hold hands. We need everyone to couple up." No, I'm really glad you said that because that makes me honestly think. Like, I honestly wonder how much freedom they gave the different block directors. And Jonathan Frakes was like, "Well, this is what Jean Luc would do here, and this is what Jean Luc would do here, and this is what Jean Luc would do here." And he he directed what four episodes or three episodes, you know? So he directed like a third of the season. But the other directors, if they had completely different visions, even working from the same material, I just, I, mm. Yeah, yeah. And that makes me question Shabon as a showrunner. And, well. you know, and it's just, Sarah, it's just like we've been talking about with who? I mean, with Chibnall. It's like we love Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. But do we love Chibnall running Doctor Who? And it's not anything against Chibnall. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I can recognize that you're great writer you're great at this but like i don't know if you should be running this show in particular exactly and i wonder that's how i feel about this season of picard obviously michael shabon can write i'm not interested to see where it goes here's the other thing to consider i wonder if the writer's room had too much reverence for picard's character and wrote it too carefully in look I think we have to view all media as everything that happened before Last Jedi and everything that happened after Last <laughs> Jedi. I'm serious. I, you know, I, I was I, uh, kind of to your point, um, kind of uh, about like revering Picard's character too much. I will say the thing I really appreciated about this series or this mm-hmm. season compared to Discovery is they really, really were careful not to contradict canon. 
I do love when shows are careful about like that matters to me. I like canon. I like my lore. I like it to be, have all my ducks in a row. So this is yeah. why you need to watch Discovery so that you can understand Josh and my theory about the end of the season. Okay, and, I'm and going also, to. I'm just the the Klingons were just. I mean, it's horrible in Discovery. It's I mean so much so that they like added hair in. Okay, so this is my biggest problem with Discovery, which is not that big of a problem, Sarah. Um, okay. They changed how the Klingons look. They changed their morphology. They did. Completely, completely, with no hair. And here's the thing. You also haven't watched Enterprise, but Enterprise has a whole story arc at the la- in the last season where they talk about why the Klingons in original series had flat heads. <laughs> they retconned the whole thing, like, yeah. what, 15 years ago? 20 yeah. years ago? They retconned the entire thing only for Discovery to say, oh, these things look cool. Let's do this. And then in the second season, because the fans were so upset, they added hair to the Klingons. Yeah, that would annoy me. That would annoy me. Oh, but it's just, it's so distracting. And then there are other holes um, that that I'm not going to talk about. But. Yeah, no, let's just let her discover them. Discover yeah. them for herself. Discover, discover them. them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, as soon as I finish finish next gen, that's that's probably next on my agenda. Yeah, I would yeah. I mean, not that there not that uh there's a few seasons of DS9 and Voyager worth watching. A I DS9 think, is still my fa- I think it's aged the best out of all of them. I agree. Eventually agree. Jamie wants to watch the original series. So we'll probably end up watching that after Discovery or like intermittently with Discovery. I mean, that's... um. No, no, not intermittently? Okay. <laughs> I would commit to watching one or the other. Okay. We'll probably watch Discovery first since we just watched Picard and all wait, of that. Wait, so you've never watched the original series? I have not. Jamie has. You know what? Maybe you should watch at the very least one of the episodes. We watched the first one no, the other day. Than- let me tell you, that was a hoot. I was yeah. rolling, like watching the ship just like zoop through the sky. On, the little st- on strings. <laughs> well, um, and like they use their lasers to like blast things, and I'm like, oh, it's ripping the paper. <laughs> it was pretty great. Uh, yeah. Anyway, just to sort of put a bow on the season, yeah. I-, I enjoyed it. That they didn't do themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You right, you right. Look, this I'm not even sure like what we're doing with next season. You know what I mean? Like I didn't feel like there was a hint. That's why we'll I expected some Yeah, we'll be... yeah, you you're probably right. <laughs> you right, you right. I'm just saying I I I think the point of this season was the Federation has lost itself. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is believing Romulans. Because Romulans, why. Romulans, because Romulans tricked them into believing Romulans. But that's so dumb. All th- with the the Federation like losing itself, I think one of the things they did nicely in the end was to show that like the core of who the Federation is that like it's still there. Yeah. Or there's a few people there that still represent the true meaning, yeah. aka Will Riker. Yeah. It might just be him though. And I loved Riker. I loved Riker in that moment. I thought it was great. I thought it was going to be Geordi or Worf. I did too, but I'm cool with it being Riker. Wanted it to be the Enterprise. Yeah. 
But I think wanted something. to see some different like classes of ship. Like, come on. Did did enjoy that. Um, but uh, you know. Anyway, so I I don't know. I I'd probably give it a seven out of ten for the season. That's what I was gonna say. Seven. Yeah. Enjoyable. I'll watch Enjoy next season. So Spivak and I have delved back it. First of all, well, this week, obviously having binge time in the evening, mm-hmm. um, not having to run children to fifteen activities, um, did binge through Fleabag. Have either of you watched Fleabag? No. no. Have did you like it? I've- Okay. Wow. It is dark. Oh, nice. I knew it was supposed to be dark. Someone told me that recently, like before. She is phenomenal. Like, phenomenal. And Olivia Coleman's in it. And Olivia Coleman's Oh, I phenomenal. love Olivia Coleman. And uh, she and her sister are just great in the show. Um, it it reminds me a bit if the if someone in England made the movie Sideways. Did you guys ever see the movie Sideways? I don't no. Think so. Came out in two thousand and five. Four. Well, I was Paul, in fifth grade. Paul Giamatti won the actor best uh, Academy Award for best actor for it. Um, it's about being an alcoholic. I was ten, so um, no. Really, one of the great performances ever on film. Um, that's worth watching, Vocal Fam. If you've never seen Sideways, this is a good opportunity for you to go back and watch Sideways. Thomas Hayden Church, Paul Giamatti, Sandra O, oh, Virginia, um, what's her last name? Madsden. Phenomenal cast, and I mean, tour de, four, tour de force performances from all four of them. Um, and actually single-handedly mm. destroyed Merlot as a type of wine for a decade. Really? Yes, it took it 10 years to recover from that movie. That's rough. Um, How long will it take Corona to recover? The world oh, may never know. Is it too soon for that? That it's was too soon. That was it was too soon. I get it. I get it. Anyway, vocal fam. So anyway, go check out Star Trek Picard. It's worth watching. I mean, you got time. You got time right now. You got you know, time. <laughs> you know you got some binge time right now. Do yourself a favor. Watch Next Gen too. Go outside. Go for a run. Go for a walk, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Walks you know? are nice. Um, a lot of state parks are still open. They're um just in case people are curious. Keep like, your social distance. Yeah. Wash your but, hands. Try to eat a balanced diet. Um you know I was like fruit and stuff. Well, I like fruit. But uh Vegetables. do your best to eat a balanced diet. Um keep your hands clean, keep your distance from folks, and if you don't feel well, stay at home for a little while. Please. Uh if you just appreciate all the spectral moments in your life yeah <laughs> i feel like we're talking about it's almost like a kodak moment thing now just <laughs> a spectral if moment. kodak a now defunct company would like to sponsor the vocal fry podcast <laughs> sarah and i would be glad for that we'll take anything um so anyway you know vocal fam the nats national deadline early registration has been pushed to may 1 we have no notification on whether the conference will or will not happen yet uh Mm -hmm. right now i know alan's telling everyone it's still on so um hopefully vocal fam we're just going to speak it into the universe because we hope it's true we're all going to still see each other in knoxville there's Mm -hmm. our hope so it's not a last one 
Nope. That's a, that's a while away. But fortunately, is... I had a ton of data subjects come in right before break. Very nice. So yeah. I do need to get some data extracted. And I got my research computer sitting right here. <laughs> so uh, if anybody needs some aerodynamic measurements tested on a soprano and a tenor by themselves, I happen to have my PAS sitting here in the living room. <laughs> so yeah, just... But- how are they going to stand six feet away from you? I mean, that cord's six feet long. <laughs> okay, okay. That PAS cable's long. You're probably right. And the only person I'm talking about is my wife and I. Oh. I mean, so why do we... You're not a bass. Did you say bass? I said bass? a soprano and a tenor. Oh, I'm going crazy. I'm losing it. Guys, it's getting to me. I've been home for... Cabin fever. Two weeks. I am predicting a fairly large baby boom in first parents, uh, Mm. first time parents, meaning those those people who do not have yet any kids. um, I want another dog. Look that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, no, hard pass for now. Thanks. I'm not putting it on either of you. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm 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 just saying that. I think uh, we need another puppy. uh, Amy doesn't. Yes, I'm getting that request as well lately. Puppy. I'm like we're home. I could take it to the bathroom as much as it needs. Tony Stark Perna has enjoyed this time. I'm sure Arya's loving it. Like Tony confused. Stark, he thinks yeah. he is the Lord of the of life right now. <laughs> I believe it. Anyway. All right, vocal fam. Sarah, what you have for breakfast? We haven't told anybody in a while. <laughs> Muffins. Ah. Okay, so I actually had like a good like I ate a bunch of eggs the other day because I was at the grocery store and I was like, oh, I should buy the 18 pack of eggs because we're going to run out of eggs. Not thinking about the fact that like Jamie and I don't really eat eggs. Like, why would I buy that many <laughs> eggs? And so all of a sudden this week, I was like, I have all these eggs. I need to use them. So I, I just we had like eggs for dinner one night and waffles because you have to use eggs to make waffles. Keesh. Actually, we had breakfast. For I, dinner. I thought about that. We had breakfast for dinner on my birthday this week What's a good uh, uh and uh i took three pancakes i normally don't eat pancakes yeah. and i took three pancakes and i put sausage between two of them and oh bacon my. between the other two of them oh i love bacon and <laughs> ate it as a sandwich oh, Jamie, you <laughs> that bacon. was my birthday dinner vocal fam i promise that i've eaten better than that most every other meal i believe it but i respect uh, you even more now hey you know, That's impressive. You got to do what you got to do. Marka. All right, yeah. Vocal Fam. Hey, Josh, thank you for all these Picard PhDs, man. Of yes, course, my pleasure. Thanks for having this. me. Yeah. So anyway, we'll do it again when Sarah's watched Discovery. We'll do a big Discovery. Actually, well, let's admit, April's coming. Discovery Season 3. Sarah, I need you to get on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many things to watch. Okay. No, but Discovery oh, Season now I can see now Picard PhD colon because every good paper has colons. Of course. Um, new discoveries. I... That's that could be a thing. I don't know why you had any hands. That's, that's not. You even got a Picard face palm there. <laughs> Quarantine rediscovered. Huh? For real though. <laughs> Yeah, I like I've considered downloading that like extension for Chrome that lets you have watch parties with people. I mean, you can do it on Facebook. Things I've been considering. Facebook, yeah. 
Well, it's not the same. Oh, well. Or Google I don't want everybody on Facebook watching stuff with me. Oh, well, I'm just saying. I don't like everybody. Oh, well. That's probably rude. Wow. I like most wow. of y'all. This went dark. Okay. <laughs> that did. That did. <laughs> Sorry, that's the introvert in me. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one who said I would prefer to never leave the house. So, I mean, anyway. Yeah. All right, Vocal Oops. Fam, we're out. We'll talk to you another time. Yeah. Peace. Peace and love and, and, and safety and health. <laughs>